<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about now. She's taking care of her voice, so you know that she's not going to shout now. No fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast. This is episode thirty-three, season eleven. This is the JK Q and A part three. This is an episode that is specifically. Well, it's not just for Patreon subscribers. As always, you get a little bit of this for free if you're listening on your favorite podcast app. To get the whole episode, you do have to go to patreon.com. You can get this particular episode by joining at the uh, $3.99 a month level. And anywhere, but this particular episode is a Q&A and the people who asked the questions are all Patreon subscribers. So I'm... Hey, am I going to edit that out? No, that's what you love about this podcast. So let's get in to the JK Q&A. Scratchy McGraw asks, I used to play piano at piano bars in my 20s. Anxiety over time took away the ability to play in front of others at all. I hate it. I hate this version of me. Someone suggested going to improv classes to start to overcome this. In your honest opinion, because it seems truly far-fetched, could improv classes really help? Because the thought of it makes my stomach bubble. Um, dear, dear Patreon subscriber, do, do not go to an improv class. Just, just don't. Just whoever suggested that, I hope they're no longer in your life. I hope they were never someone that was a serious person in your life. 
or if they are in your life, I hope that you ban them from giving advice. Now, why would someone suggest taking an improv class? I mean, I guess because it sounds like something that people do. I, I don't know. It just sounds like like your typical answer for things. Oh, here's an out-of-the-box thought. Take an improv class. You're nervous about something totally unrelated? Take an improv class. What is an improv class going to do? How is that going to make you more confident to try to learn a whole new skill that you're probably going to suck at at first? And that's through no fault of your own. But because improv classes can be hard because you're taking it with other ding-dongs who want to take an improv class. And unless you are trying to take an improv class because you would like to have a career in some kind of comedy acting or acting and improv is part of it or the main goal, then you'll probably not be that committed to it. You might find it fun, but you're going to be with other weekend warriors who are taking improv classes. And again, if you're in class with people who want to do it for a career, they might be a little more committed. They might be a little naturally more talented at it. And then you'll feel even worse. What, what kind of advice is this? And again, trust me, as someone who took improv classes, who was part of the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, who ended up on a, what they call, Herald team and did improv shows, even I hated it. And I love that kind of thing. And it was part of my uh, overall goals in comedy, which is to strengthen all of my muscles, not just solo performing. And I actually do love improv in a lot of ways, but I liked this specific kind of improv where you're building on a story and a situation with your teammates or castmates or whatever you want to call them. And we do that specific kind of making something up out of nothing and doing a yes and and grounding it in reality and playing to the top of your intelligence and not going for the joke, that kind of thing. So it was good for me to do that. Then, of course, you have other kinds of improv. You've got comedy sports with a Z. And, you know, I don't even know what the point of those are. Or some kind of musical improv where you're playing a blues singer and you have to sing a song that's like, I got the work from home blues. And you make up some rhymes, you know. The printer is out, but I don't have an assistant because I just got my baby because I'm working from home. I'll ask the garden I've got the working from home blues. Like, is that going to help you play piano better? No. Look, I mean, I wouldn't wish hanging out with people taking improv classes on my worst enemy. What, are you going to go hang out with a bunch of 20-year-old guys who talk about Star Wars. That's that's what I remember improv class being is I would start to do a scene with people that I really liked. These were great people, talented people. And we'd begin a scene and somebody would pretend that we're playing with Star Wars figures. And I would not know, are we supposed to be adults? Are we supposed to be teenagers? Why are we still thinking about Star Wars? It's the 2000s. And I know there's a prequel and a sequel and a sequel about the prequel. But in my day, Star Wars came out in the movie theater. You went and saw it once. You went, boy, is that creative. You went home and you didn't think about it again. You didn't make it your whole entire life. You didn't make it your whole entire personality. And if you did, you promptly stopped making it your entire life and your entire personality once you left home and lived on your own and started experimenting with, you know, other people's private parts and maybe have a drink once in a while. You know what I mean? You kind of like grew out of it. And I know 
I shouldn't be so judgmental because I don't fucking know. Because sure, yes, I have a stuffed animal. It's not on my bed or anything. It's just I have it. I mean, I sent it to my sister's house. It's in her attic. But I did have one. But it was during the pandemic. I wanted to get a stuffed animal cat because I can't have a real cat because I don't want to take care of an animal. But I wanted to snuggle with a stuffed animal at night. But there was a goddamn pandemic and I was in isolation. You know what I mean? That's when an adult can have a toy. If there's a, is there a pandemic? Are you in isolation? You can have a toy. If not, you can't have a toy. You got to go out and interact with other adults. You, di- you got to get your butt to the bar. Get your butt. You don't even have to drink. Get a seltzer. But get out there. Get out there. We'd put the to- put the get, give me that. Put the toys away. Okay, but seriously, here's my real advice. What I would do. So, there's two components to anxiety. All right. There's always the physical symptoms that the anxiety is giving you that make it difficult to play. Maybe your hands are shaking. Maybe you start to feel nauseous when you play. So you want to deal with those. So let's put that part over here. Then the other part is usually, usually the physical symptoms come about because there's been some emotional situation that led to some thought process that was kind of going on in the back of your mind for a while that maybe you were not consciously aware of. And now it's coming out in the form of anxiety, which is such a physical um, mental health issue as well as a, a thought mental health issue, right? The same way that sometimes if your back keeps going out or something like that, it can be brought on by emotional stress or things that you need to um, somatically work out of your body, whether it's through literal somatic therapy or whatever. So let's take this apart. This would be my honest advice. So you hate this version of you. You hate this. Anxiety overtook the ability to play in front of others and you hate it. So that's a good start. If you liked it, then I guess you'd have to say, you know, well, I kind of like it. So I guess I'm done playing in front of others and I'll have to grieve that. But it's good that you hate it because it means there's some motivation in there, right? There's liking it, hating it, and then just being like, I give up. I don't even know anymore. I have no opinion. So take that fire of hating it and realize that it's easier said than done. So I'm not saying that once I say what I'm about to say, you're going to suddenly be free of the anxiety. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying for someone like myself who has had to overcome phobias, anxieties, and things that involve an entire behavioral shift, I had to shift, I had to make a decision to shift my point of view. Again, the point of view shifting is what is the wind in your sails. It is not the final act. Does that make sense? So I'm not saying think positive, do this. I'm not talking bullshit here, but I'm talking let's, let's tough love it in a way. So here's my tough love. You're not a victim here. So if you hate this version of yourself, you can change it. You might go, but I don't know how. Sure. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. 
That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. But there's going to be a second part to I don't know how, which is I don't want to. It's too much. What if it doesn't work? So by the time the anxiety has already caused you to stop doing something you love, it's got enough of a grip on you that it's going to resist doing the things that will help get rid of it. There's going to be a resistance and a no, it's not going to work because that's coming from a place of fear. So we're going to get deeper into that in a second, but let's just take it piece by piece. So let's take it here. I hate this version of myself, so hate it. But you're not a victim, so you can't just sit around hating it. You have to realize, okay, although I'm not a victim here, I am in control. It doesn't feel like I'm in control right now, and I don't have the tools to actually take control. That's true. But in general, this is within your control. Now you have to make a decision. Do I want to go through the uncomfortable process of regaining a sense of control over this? Now, you may never have control over anxiety. Anxiety comes up. But you may have a sense of control over how much you invite it in. So let's just take the physical manifestations of anxiety. You'll have to answer this for yourself, but you'll have to figure out what is physically happening in your body when you play in front of people. I'm assuming you don't have to go play in front of people to figure that out. I'm assuming you remember the last time you played in front of people and how it felt. So for me, I used to take piano lessons and weirdly, it was the one area of performance that made me nervous. So I've been getting on stage my whole life since I was four years old in dance recitals. I loved it. I couldn't wait to get on stage. You know, every year for the recital, I did plays in um, elementary school, all the way up to middle school, high school, whatever. Never had a fear of going on stage was on stage with a punk rock band in high school, with musicals, with theater, did stand up right after college. I never had to overcome any stage fright to do these things. They came, it came naturally to me to want to be on stage. However, when I took piano lessons, I played recitals every year in Mrs. Fish, my piano teacher's living room for only about what, 25 people. It was just the parents and family members of the other students. So uh, but because it didn't, because like, sure, the being in front of people part was in general fine. There was just something about piano that was a different skill. Um, if you mess up dancing or speaking, I feel it's easier to cover for any mistakes and not look foolish. In fact, you may even look um, more impressive if someone notices you screwed up a dance move and then you recover quickly and keep going. Wow, how'd she do that? She got right back in line. Or you forget your lines in a play 
and the audience knows it and maybe there's some breaking the third wall and there's some laughter and maybe the character you're playing improvises something and you get right back on track. People are impressed. Oh my God. There's those improv skills, you know, um, with stand-up, of course, I'm, no one knows what I'm about to say anyway, so I can kind of do whatever I want. Even if I bomb, whatever, I can still keep talking. I can comment on the fact that I bombed. Again, it all aids in making me look like I know what I'm doing. I found for me with piano, you know, you hit those wrong notes, clink, clunk, and it's like, oh God, you know, it just takes everyone out of it and you can get back on track. But I just personally never was able to move past the shame and embarrassment of hitting the wrong keys. And every piano recital, I my hands would shake. And it's really hard to play when your hands are shaking, as you know. And I'd have to just get through it. And I would. And also, uh, you know, I was memorizing these long Mozart pieces or Chopin or whoever. And it was just a different skill set that truly didn't come as naturally to me as speaking and dancing did. So I understand in general, just the kind of low grade anxiety that can happen before it turns full blown to where now you're avoiding it. So once you get to a place of avoidance, you know that the, you're letting the anxiety win. Now, going back to you're not a victim and me saying, hey, at least you hate it. That's good. It means you want to change. I have noticed any time that I have given into anxiety and it's gotten to the point where now I'm avoiding things, you got to admit that avoidance was a tool that is driving you crazy, but it's the tool you're using right now, which is in one sense, it's making you feel comfortable because now you don't have to experience the discomfort of playing while anxious in front of people. But like you're saying, it's like, you know, smoking a cigarette in a way to deal with stress. Sometimes smoking feels awful and it's disgusting. And you're like, okay, well, I guess it's helping in some ways, but like overall, I just would like to deal with it differently. So you have to just be like totally brutal with yourself and be honest about, are you getting anything out of this right now? And it's okay if you are. Like, in fact, I think it's good to recognize what you're getting out of it because then you can find a, um, a more adaptive way to get what you want out of what you're getting out of avoiding without avoiding. So if, if, if you're like, you know, honestly, I've, whatever it is, I, I really hate trying so hard. I, I, I feel like there's a ceiling to my piano playing and, you know, if I give up now, I never have to try and fail. Or if I, whatever, whatever you don't have to experience by avoiding it, you're getting something out of that. Even if it's as simple as, no, no, I, there's truly no deeper issue. I just, this anxiety came out of nowhere. I, I don't have the time to figure out where it came from, but I do know one thing that avoiding the anxious feelings is better than coping with them. Cause I don't know how to cope with them. Hence my friend told me to take an improv class. So, you know, just recognize you're getting something out of it and recognize that, okay, what if I could not feel anxious? What if I could feel as not anxious as not doing it makes me feel, but still do it. Okay. So now, um, I'd say deal with the physical stuff first. So instead of going like way over here and taking an improv class, you know, what, let's say that your friend convinced you to take an improv class. What would you want to get out of that class that would help you with the piano? Would you want it to loosen your body? Would you want it to make you less self-conscious? Would you want it to give you the ability to make a fool of yourself and not care? Like you can do all of that stuff using the instrument that is your gift, which is the piano. So it's probably going to take playing in front of people and feeling discomfort 
whether it's, you know, I don't know in what capacity you are playing in front of people lately, but if it's like, do you feel comfortable speaking in public at all? Um, if not, maybe you can write something out that you can read, which still is speaking in public, but it's less extemporaneous. But can you, before you, let's say you were to sit and play at a piano bar, could you say something like, hey, you know, I had some pretty bad anxiety lately and I stopped playing for a while and I am getting back out there tonight and I'm freaking the fuck out and I'm so annoyed. And my friend told me to take an improv class. Like, can you make a little comedy routine out of it? I know you're like, no one's going to listen. But I'm just saying, like, do you get where I'm going with that suggestion? Which is like bringing the anxiety out into the light of day, thinking of it as something separate than you, being like, here you go, anxiety. I'm going to make a fool of you. You're not going to make a fool of me. We're going to laugh. We're all going to... I mean, people are, as you know, I have to maybe remind you, anyone that's watching you play is rooting for you because they're putting themselves in your position. And they're like, I could never fucking do that. You know, even if they can play piano, like they may not ever have the guts to do it in front of people. So it's kind of like doing that kind of stuff where it's like really being easy on yourself. And, but eventually you're going to have to do it again. There's not going to be a moment where you do all this behind the scenes work to get rid of the anxiety. And then you get on stage again. You know, you're going to have to do it while feeling uncomfortable. And that's where we make changes. And that's usually where I found for me, I get through phobias, I get through anxieties. I have to face them and do it while feeling uncomfortable. I've been babying myself too long and saying, nope, I'm going to avoid it until I can figure out a way to be comfortable. It's like, once you take that option off the table, that is no longer an option. So you have to say, I'm going to be brave enough to do the thing let the uncomfortable feelings happen, let the anxiety happen to the point where I am coming out of my skin and I want to run away, just sit there and you always have the option of getting up and screaming and running away. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The other option is to sit there uncomfortably and finish what you're doing and then do it again. And then slowly you will have in your own muscle memory the experience of you doing it and not dying and getting through it. It's just kind of that simple. It's not that it's easy, but it is just that simple. The other thing is, is there anything else going on in your life that is making you second guess yourself suddenly? Is something affecting your self-esteem? You know, whatever, whether it's a relationship you just got out of that made you feel bad and you're still working through, you know, how your self-esteem took a hit because you were dating an asshole or something like that. Is it that like, I don't know, some unresolved childhood issues around this are coming up that you've ignored for so long? Is it, I don't know, like 
anything. Are you on a new medication that makes you anxious? Are you in a hormonal state? Are you in a financial insecurity? But like, there's a million other things that could just be day-to-day making you anxious and uncomfortable. And for some reason, it's like coming out when you're playing piano because that's just sometimes the way our anxiety gets our attention. It's like, okay, look, you haven't been listening to me over here. So you know that thing you love, the piano? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to make myself known while you're doing that. And it's not even going to be about the piano. It's about your job, you know, whatever. Like there's a million things. I do think that, you know, a lot of times if we go to therapy and ask, you know, what do we do about this? You can end up like, let's go back in the past and go through this. And that can all be very helpful. But if you're not working on actually making the changes to the physicality at the same time, I feel like a lot of time can go by and you can feel like you're spinning your wheels. For me, I personally like to see the progress of, I'm so happy to go back into my childhood and figure out why I don't like elevators, but also could I try to get in an elevator every few days and do some techniques? I mean, it could be as simple as doing a full body relaxation, doing breathing exercises before you play doing some kind of five-minute visualization where you visualize yourself playing and feeling so at peace, so confident, so not anxious. But sometimes you have to do these things every day for literally five minutes when you're not feeling anxious. You know, if you're just sitting around like, well, I'm not anxious about the piano right now because I'm not playing it. Great. Do a five-minute visualization put on some, I don't know, sound of beach waves or classical music or something and picture yourself playing and having it go really well. And every time thoughts come in about being anxious, just go, yeah, no, we're not thinking that right now. Bye. Thanks. You know, and then do look up a progressive muscle relaxation, do one of those relaxation things five minutes a day. And then just see, like in general, it means you're, you're just sort of like retraining your thought to think about piano playing as something that doesn't cause you anxiety. And then again, taking the risk of playing and letting the anxiety be there. But that's really, in my experience, I don't have experience any other way. So I don't think you need to do this like out of the box thing and take improv because I don't think that addresses the issue. I mean, in general, if people want to take improv because it's fun and challenging and it's something you actually want to do, like, great, go do that. But I don't, it's like, what if you did do that and it didn't help? Then you'd be like, oh, I tried, I even tried taking improv and that didn't help. You know, like then we start telling ourselves that story. Like that was supposed to help. It's like, it's not, you're just, there's something else going on, you know? And for me, it's as simple as you're going to be uncomfortable because you've just gotten to this place. However you got there, you're there. So now anxiety is like controlling you to the point where you want to avoid a thing you love. So you got to go back to the thing you love while uncomfortable. Just too bad. No other way around it. Sorry. And then also, hey, what's going on? Gentle with yourself. Let's, l- let's look at what's happening here. Did this come from anywhere? Let's work on that. But I don't see any other way to get around it. Certainly not improv class. So I hope that um, helps. Let me know. Keep us posted on your piano progress. And all of your other questions will be answered on the Patreon version of this episode. Hope you join us. Click the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. And if you don't join us, that's okay. Next week, the first week of September is a scheduled hiatus for no fun. So we'll see you back on September 14th. And until next week, have fun.
or two weeks. Have fun.